Rushdoony Radio presents An Informed Faith The Position Papers of R.J. Rushdoony by Rush's John Rushdoony Narrated by Nathan F. Conkey Produced with permission by the Calcedon Foundation Chapter 33 Perfection Calcedon Position Paper Number 134 April 1991 Words change their meanings sometimes with unhappy results. It tells us something about the fact of man's fall that words usually deteriorate in their meaning. One problem word, a problem because of the misunderstandings associated with it, is perfect and perfection. Two much abused instances of its use in the New Testament are Matthew 5.48. Quote, Be ye perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. End quote and Matthew 19.21 If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. End quote. The word translated as perfect is in both cases teleesos. It means mature, finished, complete, having reached its goal, mature. Thus, to be perfect in this sense does not mean sinlessness, but maturity with respect to our God-given calling and talents. It implies that a goal is in view, and we live in terms of it. The completed aspect does not mean ended, rather it means living fully in terms of a goal. The word teleos comes from telos, meaning an end, conclusion, or goal. It is a culminating point. According to our shippers in New International Dictionary of New Testament Theology, Volume 2, page 59, and it can refer, for example, to marriage. A goal is reached, a new life is now lived with maturity in terms of it. Thus, quote, both a doctor and a thief can be perfect, end quote. We sometimes call a man a, quote, perfect fool, end quote. This biblical meaning of perfect long governed the thinking of Christendom. In the preamble to the U.S. Constitution, the purpose of the document is, quote, to form a more perfect union, end quote. In terms of current usage, this is bad grammar. In terms of its times, it meant, quote, a more mature union, end quote. According to Webster's 1828 Dictionary, perfect, as a verb, meant to finish or complete, and as an adjective, finished or completed. In grammar, there is a perfect tense which gives us expressed completion. The word perfect now has an often different meaning due to two influences, Arminianism and Romanticism. In Arminianism, denying as it did the doctrine of total depravity and often affirming Pelagianism, the word came to mean a totally sanctified and sinless state. The Christian was to attain total sanctification and be without sin. This was, of course, an unrealistic hope and belief. But that is not all. The emphasis at the same time was shifted from the kingdom of God to the individual's perfection. The result was a gradual withdrawal of these Christians from the world into their inner realm. People from diverse backgrounds are now calling attention to this fact. For example, Dr. Donald E. Wildman in the January 1991 AFA Journal wrote, quote, 
I am amazed that any minister can preach week after week, month after month, and year after year, and never directly address many of the great issues which face the Christian community today. It hurts me to say what I am about to say. I say it not with malice. I say it with hurt, born of love. Quite often I am asked whose fault it is that our society finds itself in the moral mess it is in. In all honesty, I am compelled to respond, quote, It is the fault of the church, end quote, end quote. False ideas of sinless perfection have not improved the moral character of churchmen, nor have they improved the world of our time. However, quote, noble, end quote, our goals may be, if they are not biblical, they lead to ignoble ends. Many who will not acknowledge their depravity and sin are ready to see themselves in idealistic terms. The church, by pursuing pietistic perfectionism, has made itself morally derelict and generally irrelevant. The church today is strong in members, but weak in the faith and the power of God. Romanticism stressed a non-biblical doctrine of perfection. Perfection was seen in nature and in the natural, or fallen, man. If the natural man is perfect, then the imposition of biblical law and morality on man is not only wrong, but very evil. Man's natural bents define what is good for him, not God. Because of Romanticism, there was a steady attack on the very idea of morality, and men who saw themselves as intellectuals began to speak rather of mores, social customs. Morality was replaced by mores, and mores were of little value. Such doctrines as utilitarianism, pragmatism and instrumentalism, and supremely existentialism, replaced morality. Not only morality, but meaning was attacked, as in deconstructionism. Romanticism revived with fervour the famous premise of Protagoras, that man is the measure of all things, and it did not mean rational man. With Romanticism, perfection became self-expression. Alfred de Musset, a French romanticist, expressed a romantic agony. He desired every woman who caught his eye, but trusted none. To be dependent was alien to him. He wrote, quote, I must experience everything, end quote, and this meant that everything was good because he was. Rodouvin, George Sand, believed in catering to public appetites and saw no wrong in it. Quote, Monsters are in fashion. Let us make monsters. End quote. Napoleon had declared to the Council of 500, quote, Make way! I am the god of the day. End quote. This was the romantic temper. Sin was held to be an obsolete concept. George Sand said of the evils she had done, Quote, I don't believe it is due to wickedness, but to ignorance. End quote. Frances Winmore, The Life of the Heart, George Sand and Her Times, 1945, pages 91, 104, 283. What Romanticism did, among other things, was to create the youth movement. If nature is perfect in this modern sense, and if the natural man is the perfect man, then the child and youth 
are closest to perfection. The poet William Wordsworth, 1770 to 1850, in his Ode, Imitations of Immorality, held that we are born, quote, trailing clouds of glory, end quote, and that, quote, heaven lies about us in our infancy, end quote. Age perverts us, quote, shades of the prison house begin to close around the growing boy, end quote, and that prison house is civilization. Given these premises, youth soon felt it had a, quote, duty, end quote, to correct and even overthrow its elders, who represented the, quote, corruption, end quote, of Christian civilization. Rebellious youth was a creation of the romantic doctrine of perfection. However, if civilization is the source of evil, then, quote, the less civilized, end quote, peoples are the most good, according to this doctrine. Western white youth had once been the voice of natural goodness and the zealots for perfection, and their motto in the 1960s was, quote, never trust anyone over 30, end quote. Almost at once, others seized the torch of this new faith. In the United States, black youth attacked as evil white leadership, no matter what it did. These people were, quote, honkies, end quote, and evil. Since then, a new definition of blasphemy has emerged. Thou shalt not call attention to any sin of Martin Luther King, for this is the unforgivable sin. This doctrine was not lost in various peoples of the third world. While treating blacks, or African Americans, with politically motivated friendliness, they were contemptuous of them as, quote, detribalized, end quote, and over-civilized peoples. What we have had in process is an example of what Dr. Cornelius Van Til called integration downward into the void. Of course, the environmental movement is a clear example of this fanatical romanticism. It has become a new and fanatical religion, impervious to rationality. In many instances since the 1980s, foresters have allowed raging forest fires to burn. They are, after all, a natural fact, and nature is perfect. False perfectionism has led to unreasonable and even insane demands. All the achievements of the past are treated with contempt. The new, quote, wisdom, end quote, of these perfectionists is seen as infallible truth. They believe, like Job's sorry friends, that wisdom was born with them and is in danger of dying with them. Job 12, 2. Such an attitude leads to the kind of insubordination which today marks families, businesses, churches, and all kinds of groups. Every underling resents the fact that he is not in control and that his wisdom does not direct things. In this antinomian age, few pay attention to God's law. Why, then, should we expect them to obey men? The psalmist, however, prays, quote, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths, end quote. Psalm 25, 4. Again, quote, Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. End quote. Psalm 143.10 These are among the many prayers to be conformed to God and his law. This is what biblical perfection is about, finding our purpose under God, then moving faithfully in his way. This is maturity, 
and our completeness. It is the antithesis of rebelliousness and lawlessness. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Well done for listening all the way to the end. This is Nathan, the narrator, speaking to you from Puebla, Mexico, from the Faith for All of Life school in which I teach English as a volunteer. I teach from kinder through high school. Now, I rely on donations in order to keep teaching and recording, so if you want to support a Faith for All of Life school in Latin America and want to keep listening to Rush Dooney while you vacuum, drive or cook, commute or whatever you're doing right now, donate at cten.org forward slash Nathan Conkey. That's N-A-T-H-A-N-C-O-N-K-E-Y, all lowercase. Or if you prefer PayPal, paypal.me forward slash capital N Nathan capital C Conkey. You can also email me at nfconkey, that's nfconkey at gmail.com. Thanks, and I look forward to speaking to you very soon.